Hey, it's Jay. And just a really quick reminder before we start today about my brand new course, my on-demand course called Growable Shows, turning your rough but relevant ideas into a powerful premise that audiences love. I filmed 10 original videos, included dozens of real examples of premises from brands, from the media, from individual creators, all broken down and a collection of documents and exercises that you can actually use and implement in your creative work to both pressure test your ideas and build out your pilot, whether it's a brand new show or you're piloting the next wave of a better version of an existing show. Also, every month I wanna give away some kind of special bonus for customers who buy that month. So right now in January, 2021, I'm offering the chance to win one of 10 personal video reviews of your work from me. And then everybody who buys in January is going to get a free edition of my collection of essays on creativity and all these frameworks that I've built for how to make someone's favorite show. That's called The Creator's Compass. Plus, you'll get $500 off an additional product from me, a consulting call if and when you need it for yourself and or your team. So remember, everyone wants their shows to grow, but very few people stop to consider, have I actually built anything growable, something resonant, something that they could consider their favorite show? because that's the job. We need to build something growable. So find the link to Growable Shows in your show notes and thanks for your support. How do you make the complex simple while still respecting its complexity? I think all great leaders and communicators who push for some kind of positive change are in that business. Make the complex simple while respecting and even honoring and wading into the fact that the material and the truth are complex. Movements that damage a community and the society around it tend to oversimplify things to the point that the nuance is lost altogether. There can be no exceptions to the rule. It's us versus them. It is this truth and no one else's. We will not update our beliefs. But movements that lead to positive change and lasting change at that, and the inspiring leaders who spark them, Those movements and those people dance down that line of helping us access the complicated without losing our grip on the messiness, the details, the nuance, the reality of what we're trying to learn or do. Today, we go inside a podcast called In Those Genes, G-E-N-E-S. It's a show that uses genetics to decode the lost histories of African descendants through the lens of black culture. But if you heard the show, you'd be forgiven if you thought it was a show about uh, pop culture or music or a storytelling show or literally anything other than a show that uses genetics to decode the lost histories of African descendants through the lens of black culture. To make sense of this really entertaining and refreshing show, its production, and its atypical origin story, we talked to two people, host Janina Jeff, who is a doctor of human genetics and a scientist at a biotech company, and by the way, this is her first podcast ever, and producer Sam Riddell, an independent audio producer and documentary videographer. The show, like I said, has an atypical origin. Janina was actually selected as one of 10 finalists for Spotify's SoundUp Bootcamp, one of 10 finalists from a pool of 18,000 applicants. And then she and her show won it all. So we're going to touch on that, and of course, we're going to break down this delicious-sounding, movement-making, science-explaining, nuance-respecting podcast. And we're going to do it bit by tiny bit. I want to know how to do the things you do. A thing, a two, a three that only comes 
Welcome to Three Clips, where podcasters take us inside their best work. I am Jay Kunzo, and in the world that we live in, where it feels completely topsy-turvy and chaotic, I just can't wait to escape for a moment with you to talk deeply about the creative craft with other great creators. It's a little reprieve here. I believe that creativity is all about those deep little moments that are kind of hidden from view. The tiny techniques, the micro moments, the refreshing wrinkles. That's what creativity is. It's not about pulling random big stunts once in a while. So every episode, we ask a podcaster or in this case, two podcasters that we admire to break down something they created a few pieces at a time. But before we talk to Janina and Sam, let's just pay the bills real quick. Here's a word from our sponsor. This episode is sponsored by Wistia. In 2012, I began a years-long relationship with the wonderful group of humans that works for that company. They make software to help you find, engage, and grow your audience using video and through making shows. And I've talked to countless numbers of that team and consider many of them friends and mentors, and we all agree on one core belief. When you build a brand, focus your marketing on making stuff people like, not making people like stuff. Fast forward to today, and Wistia has named that idea, Brand Affinity Marketing. I've said it before, I'll say it a million times more, great marketing is not about grabbing attention, it's about holding it. It's not about who arrives, it's about who stays. Awareness is not the goal, affinity is. So if you agree, check out Wistia's Brand Affinity Marketing Playbook. This thing is totally free, you don't have to fill out any kind of form, and honestly, it's just beautifully designed. The playbook talks about stuff like finding and understanding your niche, creating original series that resonate, marketing like a media company, and measuring resonance over reach. I could not love that part more. So visit wistia.com, that's W-I-S-T-I-A.com to explore their great resources about building better brands. And while you're there, check out the Brand Affinity Marketing Playbook. All right, let's chat with Janina Jeff and Sam Riddell, host and producer of In Those Jeans. So Sam, how did you meet Janina? How did you get involved in this project? So funny story. I was working on a show about technology, science, feminism at my old spot, the place where I used to work. And I was doing an episode about, or I was planning on pitching an episode about um, CRISPR and genetic editing. So the whole premise of the show was like science and futurism through a Black queer feminist lens. So I wanted to find a Black woman who could speak to genetics and genetic editing. And I saw Janina, I think in, I think Elle wrote a piece about y'all, the winners mm-hmm. of the Spotify bootcamp comp- competition. And I saw your name in it. And I saw TK, who's another audio producer who we're both in touch with, who was the, uh, TK was one of the instructors in the bootcamp. Mm-hmm. Um, so I hit up TK and I was like, can you put me in contact with Jeannie Jeff? I think she'd be perfect for this episode. So we were actually supposed to just collaborate on this one episode. But of course, collaboration breeds more collaboration. So Janina actually asked me if I knew other like Black women podcasters to work on her show. And I was like, that sounds cool, but I'm working full time, so I can't do it. So let me see if I can put you in touch with somebody else. Before I got to respond to her, I was laid off from that job. So at the end of the workday, I like emailed all of my important contacts to myself, went home, hit her up the next Monday like, yeah, I don't have a job now. So are you still looking for a producer for the show? I remember when that email bounced back. When that email bounced back, I was like, oh, no, I've lost (laughs) this forever. So Janina, what is similar to 
your job as a geneticist in podcasting? Like, are there things you can take from your day job and apply to this project? Or are you feel like you're exercising wholly new muscles? <laughs> so, yes. So the biggest thing is science communication. So my day job, I am a scientist at a biotech company and it is a genetics company. So I do use, you know, genetics in my daily work. But one thing that I would say I stand out at my company and a lot of work that I do is that I'm the person who does the presentations. I'm the person that really explains a lot of the work that we do to our customers, some of which who have never done any type of genetics at all. And so I would say that part definitely feeds in. My, I am a bioinformatician, so a lot of my work is computational, which is why I work from home. And I would say being a computational person has really made kind of like editing and whenever I do take a stab at doing like the technical work of the podcasting is not as scary because I'm a pretty tech savvy person. So I feel like those kind of things have been quick to catch up on. How about the flip side? What do you think is or what was eye opening about the process of making a podcast once you started to get into it? I underestimated the way that I communicate science. Like I definitely thought I could just get on the mic and just say, if we say, describe what is a gene that I was just going to freestyle it and it was going to be fine. And, you know, very early on, I knew I wanted this show to be a high production show. And Sam really emphasized that and obviously has a lot of experience in it. And so I'd never forget the first day we recorded together, we went through several, several takes and it was like, whoa, you really don't know what you're doing. Like you, you can't even read words on a page, but like, um, it was really coaching. And so there's a different level of um, perfection that's required for a narrative, you know, highly produced podcast. And things like understanding your tone is extremely important when you don't have visuals, right? And so really learn how to play with my tones, learn how to adjust them for appropriate things. All of that coaching, thanks to Sam. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's time to break down this show, and and here's how we're going to do it. Each episode, we take three clips from the show we're profiling to help us explore a crucial element of show development, each clip at a time. First, we're going to talk about the premise of this show. What is the show about? What is the big idea? Second, we'll explore the experience. How is the show produced and what's its format? And third, our third clip, we'll talk about the connection being forged between the show, its talent, and its audience. What makes this show resonate? Why are listeners so passionate about this program? And fourth and finally, really quickly, we'll look ahead. We'll talk about reinvention. What are these two great podcasters gonna do to keep the show fresh over time? Because stagnation is the enemy to us all. And a reminder to stick around past the closing credits to our bonus segment, Play It Forward. That's where every guest that we talk to brings a show that they love, that they think you'll love too, that you can't find at the top of the charts and they want to shout it out. All right, let's head back to my conversation with Janina Jeff and Sam Riddell, where we talk about the first clip that we pulled, which reveals something about their premise. So Sam and Janina, when you make a show, the point isn't to make just some content. The point is to make something that matters. It just happens to be audio, some episodes, some content. And that means developing the premise. And oh my goodness, does your show have a clear and different premise to it? I can't wait to dig into this. So for a podcaster, the premise informs every choice from the big stories that you might want to profile to the tiniest of production decisions. And for a listener, the premise is why they'd care. 
It provides that motivation to subscribe. And it's also what people talk about. It's like, hey, check out this show. What's it about? Here's the premise. Sadly, most people don't develop their premises. They don't think about how you develop an idea to support a whole show. Y'all don't have that problem. You have one of the clearest premises I have encountered, and I'm so, so excited to dig into it. So let's play a clip now that evokes that premise. Um, we're gonna pull clips today for all three of our clips from the very first episode of your entire show. This episode is called Scientific Sankofa, which we'll get into. Um, so we're, we're gonna find out what that means actually in this clip. And the excerpt is actually the first thing you hear in the intro. You have some of the strongest intros, and I do want to highlight that for our listeners. And it's where you, Janina, explain why you're making the show and then why you, the listener, should care. So let's go to the clip. So really, it is my love for genetics, Black people, and the arts that has inspired me to make this show. But also because tons of people use science to perpetuate a bunch of bullshit about Black folks. My research leads me inescapably to the opinion that the major cause of the American Negro's intellectual and social deficits is hereditary and racially genetic in origin. Saying things like we're genetically less intelligent, more prone to violence, better at sports, more aggressive. But I'm here to tell you today, we got 99 problems, but our genes ain't one. In fact, human beings are 99.5% the same genetically. That tiny percentage explains so much and is the reason why we have different skin tones and hair textures. It also has been manipulated to construct an entire system of oppression. These slight differences in our outer appearance have become the cornerstone of race in our society. And race, in turn, is the cornerstone for shit like slavery, mass incarceration, genocide. So as people of African descent, we have quite a complicated relationship with our genetic identities. On one hand, our genes have been lied on. The myth that our DNA is inferior? On the other hand, our genetic lineages have been completely erased. In fact, they weren't even documented. We don't have records spanning 10 generations back like white folks do. I mean, seriously, you can ask a white person about their ancestors and they can tell you Irish, French, British. Hell, they even know names. They know all the things and we know none of them. So, Sam, what is the role of a producer in that first episode, especially, what are you preparing to do and have to do in episode one, especially the whole show, not just a season that you might not have to do later on? Yeah. So we're really trying to like prime the listener for the experience that they're going to get for the next episodes in the season and the next episodes in the series. So it seems like a long section of us explaining what the show is. And I listened back to the whole episode last night and I was kind of like scared, like, did you spend too much time explaining what this is? But I think we did it pretty well. And I think it was necessary to do because this is such a different show in terms of concept. And it does have such a very specific concept and very specific goals that we're trying to accomplish and specific. It's just very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not touchy but it's like sensitive subject matter that we're talking about so we're really trying to like hold our listeners hand through you know this is what the show is about and this is also like a safe space to learn these kinds of things and yeah this yeah. is what you should expect it's a quest i feel like that's the hook of the show is that it's a quest it's like this is the status quo that's what we see in the distance that's what we'd like to get to mm -hmm. and we have some ideas how to get there but mostly you're joining us as we try to do so yeah. and so you're it's more inviting i feel to say to that listener hey, join us as we try to figure this out. We're exploring it more deeply than it's ever been explored. We're trying to find the right people. We feel like we're, you know, Janina is a, yes, an expert, but also I feel like a wonderful guide where, you know, she, she's shoulder to shoulder with us even more so than she is sort of like talking to us. 
mm-hmm. from a podium somewhere as yeah. an expert. So I think that's such a wonderful role um, of a host. So a lot of people might see the problem you identified with this show, Janina, and get frustrated, but not turn the frustration into creativity and communication. Mm-hmm. But you felt like you needed mm-hmm. to. Why? It's actually something that happened organically. The reason why I would say why is even before the Spotify and the podcast came, I was being approached by several people to speak, Black people in the community, mostly, and also young scientists. The reason being is because I was the only one, like people would literally Google Black woman geneticist or Black woman bioinformatician, be like, yeah, she should keynote our career day. <laughs> I'm like, you know, and I, I've always been a, a person to give back to the community. So I think any Black person in STEM or any, you know, any Black person who's successful in the context of, well, any type of success would argue that it was their community, their family that uplift them and brought them, brought them there. And perhaps that's not even just a Black thing, but particularly more pronounced in the Black community in spaces where you are the only one, which is a lot of my career. And so for me, it feels like holding all this information to myself, especially if I have somewhat of an organic way of talking about things and connecting things. And because I think it is also a privilege to be able to talk about them. There are a lot of scientists in my field who experience the same trauma and have the same double consciousness that I have of being a scientist and being a Black woman who don't feel comfortable or not at the stage where they can talk about their trauma in a public way. So I don't want to underestimate how much of a privilege it is to even be able to share these things. Given that that I feel like I have that privilege, I, I do want to make sure that my story and the stories of others become something that is normalized, become something that's accessible to everyone else, because I do think that that's one piece that's missing. Uh, it's so, so beautifully said. And I, I feel like so many shows fail to answer the question that inevitably listeners have on their mind when they arrive for the first time to the show or a repeat listener, which is, you know, I'm going to dedicate meaningful time to this experience in my life. I'm listening to a show. I mean, these are, these are 15, 25, 35 hour long experiences. And they want to know what will be different when Mm. I'm done. A lot of people are like, I'm doing a podcast because I'd like to talk about these topics. And they never do this job that you've both done of saying, of articulating, and here's where that Mm -hmm. leads us. Like, here's what's different for the community we're trying to serve if you come along for this journey. And once you get to that point, I feel like that's where the spark to subscribe really Mm. comes from. Thank you. That was that was beautifully said too. <laughs> I'm gonna start telling people that's what I do. Thank you. Jay. No problem. No problem. No problem. The last question I have while we're on your premise is uh, finding these things that are like handles to hold on to to make sense of what could be a complex, heady premise, the science of it all, the cultural phenomena that you talk about, all these things. I mean, you can touch on every area of society in the show. And a lot of it can feel dense and maybe a little bit tough to wade into, especially if you haven't before. And you're you're both doing this thing, you know, right away, scientific Sankofa. You're trying to anchor it to like, so there's this proverb. It's easy enough to grasp the proverb. Let's use this as a little bit of an entryway into something more behind it. Where do those things come from? They're hard to find. Are they just off the top of your head? Are you doing a lot of research? That seems like it's such a potent part of the show. Well, I think Sankofa is 
something that's within us. So, I mean, for listeners who are trying to find anchors, like do things that are within you. So like I have the Sankofa symbol tattooed on my actual Oh, body. wow. Okay. So for listeners, we're <laughs> seeing each other on video and Sam is holding up and on her ring finger. Yeah. What Now, what is that tattoo? Uh, so this is the Sankofa symbol. So it's an Adinkra symbol, which is from the Akan people uh, who are in now what's called modern day Ghana. And yeah, that principle is just something that really stuck out to me in my life. Uh, I got this tattoo well before I started working on the show. And it's a proverb that also lived within Janina. Like, I don't know if you want to talk about Sankofa Kuna. (laughs) Well, before you do, Janina, just to describe the visual of it, can you just just paint a picture of what that tattoo looks like? Yeah. So I have a black tattoo. It kind of looks like a heart where the insides of the heart are meeting, meeting in the middle. So it can be depicted in this like pretty heart-shaped way, um, but it can also be depicted as a bird that's like head is falling backwards and touching the back of itself. Right. And basically the Sankofa principle is it's never too late to go back to what you've forgotten. And a lot of African-Americans have adopted that to uh, mean to say it's never too late to go back and explore our roots. Thank you for that. Uh, so Janina, you had you wanted to chime in on. Yeah, Sankofa. it's so interesting because I I knew that you had that tattoo, and for some reason I never realized that we were all connected to this this Sankofa thing before. Um, so my grandfather was a civil rights activist. He's a PhD too in sociology, and he taught me the principle of Sankofa at a very early age. In fact, he had a Communiversity is what he called it in New Orleans, and it was called Sankofa Communiversity. And very early on, we would take trips. You know, we <laughs> I was like seven, eight years old. We would redo the Freedom Ride from New Orleans um, and ended in Atlanta and stop and walk. I've walked across the Edmund Pettus Bridge, you know, as a child, and we would all have the Sankofa shirt on. Every big event that we've had in our family, we've had different versions of the Sankofa bird there. So it is, you know, something that is deeply ingrained in my family. We have we've had dogs named Sankofa. <laughs> like we, so it was it was interesting. And I remember having a conversation with Sam and we were both kind of like, you know, putting together what the title of the episode would be. And it was just such a natural thing. It, and it, it speaks to for me, this willingness that some people have, and I think more people need this willingness to look at what's right in front of them in their life and actually use that in the creative process. So for me, for example, this was a new concept. Now, millions of people know what the concept is. And and, and arguably, I, I should have known what this was, but I didn't, you know, being in my bubble with all these layers, it helped pierce that bubble for me, the listener. For others who knew it deeply in their lives, it was relatable. Either way, it's additive. And I think so often when we make shows, people think the stuff from their lives has to be like the main attraction. Whereas what you're doing is you're like, okay, well, the spark to learn more about this came from my life and my experience. It allows you to enter something more complex and dense too. Let's now go into that denser stuff together. So In Those Genes has a great premise and a great premise is a great start. Massive, massive success to have a great premise, but it's just a start because once people subscribe because of the premise, they have to stay because of the experience. So now you have to like make the thing, which is where Janina was new to this and Sam was, uh, you know, doing the hard work of trying to create something out of, uh, you know, all the raw material that Janina brings to it and Sam as well. So the point of a show is not who arrives, it's who stays, 
right? It's that linear experience. It's about getting them to the end. That's the golden rule. And I think in those genes does that really, really well. And ultimately, it is a show about genetics, about science. But if you've never heard a science show that sounds like this before, that's totally understandable because most don't. So in this next clip, Janina and Sam, you're using a bunch of, I think, ingenious techniques to keep us listening. And we actually counted four different techniques that I'll call out after the clip. So we'll see if our listeners can try and pick out what these four techniques might be, and maybe you'll identify some too. But just to tee up the clip, um, in this moment, Janina, you're using the metaphor of a bowl of rice to explain genetic diversity. And the entire bowl is one person's genome. And every spoonful, I believe it was, is their individual genes. Did, did I get that right? The bowl is the genome. The spoonful yep. is the genes. And each bowl of rice has 25,000 spoonfuls or genes. And you say that while white genomes are not very varied, it's like a bowl of white rice, maybe with some salt and pepper, black genomes are much more complex like jambalaya or paella, you name it. And uh, you're going to hear also a term as a listener, admixed. So admixture is the scientific term for a genome that results from the mixing of distinct genetic populations. Did I also get that right, Janina? Okay, cool. So let's go to the clip. African genomes are the richest genomes in the world. We have more variation than any other population. And I'm talking Africans on and off the continent. You see, Africans are the oldest population on Earth. It is no secret that Africans were the first human beings on Earth. That we are the original seed, the archetype of humanity. And because we're so damn old... We have the most genetic variation in our genomes. Black don't crack. Essentially, each spoonful is different for each person. I mean, if it's jambalaya, you might get a piece of shrimp in one spoonful, a sausage in another. Hell, you may hit a green onion in the next. Tastes so good, make you want to slap your mama. Now, other African-descended populations have a slightly different representation of genetic ancestry, but they are still admixed. For sake of consistency, let's say paella can be thought of to describe Hispanic Latino genomes. Hispanic Latinos are part of the African diaspora. Afro-Latinos have African, European, and Native American ancestry. Puerto Ricans, for example, have 20% African ancestry, 10 to 15% Native American or Taino ancestry, and 60% European ancestry. So a lot more European ancestry than African Americans but still with a considerable amount of African ancestry. There is no question that learning our identity has several benefits, culturally and genetically. Now companies are offering folks a chance to look at their entire genomes. And the best selling point right now is to tell you about your beautiful admixed genome and where your ancestors are from. That was fun. Yeah, right? I love that piece so much. There's so many layers to it. I counted those four again. It was the metaphor, sound effects, sound bites, like little speeches, movie clips, that kind of stuff. And then, of course, the music. You could even throw in a fifth, which is the scripting. It's a very complex little section for people who've never tried to build a podcast quite that way. You know, not everyone does a narrative style show so well produced with so many elements. How does that type of moment come together? You know, like, Sam, are you... Are you giving Janina a script? Is she scripting it? And then are you running with everything else around it? You know, I, I found that on my own, uh, my first podcast that was like a narrative show was called Unthinkable. Um, it's still around. I'm trying to bring it back in 2021. I have struggled to find producers to work with because I'm, I always struggle 
to figure out like where do those little sound bites, sound effects, music, all that stuff go. And I, I give them too many details sometimes. And then it's like, oh, it wasn't exactly, ah, I'll just do it myself. Or I give them not enough detail because I make those choices while I edit the raw audio in the moment. So I can't plan ahead. Mm-hmm. So I've really struggled with this. How do you two work together to create a moment like that? Mm-hmm. So in terms of scripting, Janina will do a first draft where it's a lot of, well, we're kind of changing up the writing style this season. But for the past season, uh, Janina did a first draft with uh, the scientific concepts that we wanted to touch on. And then I'd go through edits and then we'd meet in our writer's room and kind of like craft things out. So some of the moments come through in our collaborative process or just Janina's ideas. Like there's a moment where Janina's grandfather, who you actually just heard in the clip, uh, is saying, Black people are the original in his very deep baritone, amazing voice. Beautiful voice. Um, And that was a suggestion to Janina to put that in. And then I'm not sure if we also agreed that we'd have like the sound of rice and things like that. But a lot of it was just me uh, being very creative during sound design and Janina responding to those edits when they came out. So kind of just like me getting the, the free reign to... To play, really. Yeah, to play, really. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's quite fun. It was a very fun section to build. Janina, are you giving sort of like stage directions or are you writing a script and saying, oh, it'd be cool if this happened here? You know, what when you aren't actually physically making those changes, like adding the music or sound effects, what is your role as a host in those moments? Yeah, so I'll be very clear and say I rarely give Sam direction on sound effects or music or anything like that. In the very beginning, we had a conversation and I, you know, expressed how I wanted it to have like clips and to be fun. I, at the time I was calling it an orgasmic experience <laughs> um, where you hear certain podcasts, you hear, you know, just certain sounds and random things. And that's, I think now really the, a part of our, our, our podcast culture or our show culture is definitely a part of our show now. Um, so all of that creativity comes from Sam, especially the music, the rice. I remember us thinking about the bowl of rice. We were recording one of our like 15 sessions in this <laughs> in this episode and the rice kind of came through another person who's on our our team Chris and he gave us like you know some point of views of how we can talk about how we can incorporate black culture into breaking down these scientific concepts and so Sam then you know added the rice and added the salsa music and all the all the music and all that stuff is all Sam the music was so well timed like when you started going into a longer list of descriptions it was like that music allowed it not to just be like fact, 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 which, you know, also is it could be a danger of the genre or of the niche with science shows where, you know, it could just be like reporting out truth over and over and over again. It's not much story or experience. So it's almost like that the music actually gave it that listenability uh, at the same time that you were just sort of listing out. Here's a bunch of facts. So this next section of the show, we're going to move past the premise and the experience, and we're going to talk about something that feels a little bit more ephemeral, but it's happening throughout any episode, which is the way you try to deepen your connection and your relationship with the listener. Because it's great if they subscribe. It's wonderful if they'll try you out and start to listen, but you want them to keep listening, to come back, to share with their friends. So developing that relationship and that connection is such a hallmark of audio in particular, but certainly any type of, of show. And I feel like you do such a great job of adding certain elements and making certain choices that really deepen my connection as a listener, not only to you, Janina, as a voice, but also to the material and the premise itself. Um, so we're going to play a clip 
which actually starts with you uh, talking to your parents. It's kind of where I want to leave it. I just want to tee it up that way. Uh, so what you're going to hear, you're going to hear your, your dad's voice first. So let's go to the clip. The Jeff name came from South Louisiana, Morgan City. From what I understand, we were part of the descendants from the Thomas Jefferson. One of the kids moved down south to Texas. Oh. And we're part of that Texas, Louisiana thing from up there. So my dad is trying to claim our possible lineage to the Jefferson family. But let's talk to Saida about the history of our last names and the possible connection to slave owners. So one of the things that happened after slavery, so in that time, Black people emerged from plantations and many of us start immediately doing a few things. Your last name was like the the barcode on you. So oftentimes Black people are trying to cast off those names and they're trying to reclaim new ones. Now, they're reclaiming the names of presidents because mm. presidents are these revered respectable figures. So they're choosing Washington and they're ah. choosing Jefferson. So we talk about the creativeness and the resilience of black people and how we reinvented our last names, not of those of our slave owners, but those of presidents. Oh, this is so nice. I should have listened to the, the pilot last night too. <laughs> this is really great. This is amazing. Why was that the thought you had hearing this? When I just heard that next clip, I forgot. Saida and I I'm remembering now all that went into that pilot episode I mean we had just so you know the the tape with Saida is probably like three and a half hours oh my goodness and Saida <laughs> Saida is Saida Grundy who is a yes. uh, sociologist yeah so Saida uh is a sociologist uh she and I our, our families are very well connected and we went to college together and just the many elements that that Sam you pulled together. So bringing in Saida's voice. If you if I were to talk about all these things here and just list all the things that are in that first episode, it would sound overwhelming, and you'd probably be like, "Oh my gosh!" Like eight different voices in this one episode with all this music and all this. It sounds like a lot. To think about it is only forty three or forty five minutes, and it being I think organized in a way that that keeps the listener there um, is a lot of work, and I'm really like. Yeah, it just it just makes me realize like how much work went into that and, and how beautiful that is. I, I did. I've done um, a little bit of docu style stuff. And what I learned is really great documentaries. Two different types of guests seem to emerge naturally. One is what I'd call the local and the other is what I'd call the guide. The local is going mm -hmm. through it, right? You're It's the firsthand experience of whatever you're exploring. The guide is someone who can analyze it with you and help you make sense of it as a viewer or a listener. And so you have Saida play the role of the guide. And your father is obviously the, the local. He's talking about his own experience and your family's experience. Um, so Sam, when you're connecting those two, you have the stuff that Saida says, the, the, the guide, and the stuff that Kalfani says, which is um, Janina's father, mm -hmm. the local. Are you getting, say, the local stuff first, listening to it, then going to go tap Saida and say, all right, well, we heard from Kalfani this stuff. Can you comment? Or are you just doing both interviews in parallel whenever they happen and then looking for moments that connect? Uh, so for this episode specifically, we got Janina's dad and then we got Saida. I think typically uh, how I like to make stuff is get the local or the person who's uh, speaking to their personal experience first because they're going to touch on so many things. And then when you go and talk to your expert, you have those targeted questions to like fill in the gaps. I think it just dawned on me in hearing you explain the guide versus the local that in this episode, 
And actually, in other episodes, I'm playing both of those roles and they're switching throughout the episode. Very true. And so in this episode, the one that sticks out to me is when my mom is talking about skin color and she's like hypothesizing that, you know, all the women in the family come out light skin and then all the men don't. And then I break down what recombination is. And so I think it's really cool that that these things switch. And like you said, Sam, we give other opportunities for different people to be the guide. Um, I don't think I've had a, heard a show that was like that before. It's really, really great. All right. Now I'm going to use your explanations to describe the show too. <laughs> <laughs> I, so, so after every single clip so far, one of you have been like, I'm going to use that, Jay. So here's what, here's going to happen. I, I will take no residuals. That's okay. It's free. Um, I do request that when you start touring that I at least get to be like a roadie. We can make that happen. All right. <laughs> you got it. Cool. Cool. Because I have not been out of the house in far too long. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so it's time to mix things up with our, our final segment about your show, which is about reinvention. Because eventually the tried and true becomes tired and terrible, and you can't stick to the same exact formula every time. You will start to check out of your own work, and certainly the audience will be like, I get it already. Give me something new to refresh this experience. So we've talked about the premise. We've talked about the experience. We've talked about the way it comes together to connect with the audience. Now, obviously, you want to continue to deepen those connections, keep people around, keep the show growing, keep the mission alive. So as you think about moving between seasons, you know, this was season one, episode one. So you've already done that a little bit. But as you carry it forward from, you know, we're recording this in January 2021, what are things you'd like to try or experiment with that you haven't to keep the experience refreshing? Um, Sam, let's start with you. So we are reinventing <laughs> the way that the show worked for season two. Uh, as I mentioned before, we are go-hards on the show, so we always want to keep it fresh. Um, yeah, so we have, I'd say, narrative elements to season one, uh, and we also have these like very distinct, we are explaining science to you moments. So what we want to do with season two is have uh, less rigid boundaries between those two things and really interweave that. So this season, not only are we not even focusing on direct-to-consumer genetic tests, which is what we did with season one, now we're talking about what's genetic and what isn't genetic from a perspective of race, and we're doing it through the lenses of people who have experienced things related to the specific topics that we're talking about episode to episode. So it's been a new experience like uh, in pre-production so far, but it's been fun. So Janina, I want to get even more specific on that as a host, as someone who is, you know, this is your first podcast, your first go around at this. Do you look at other shows or just think through what could be on this one and, you know, think to yourself, I'd kind of like to try doing that as a podcaster someday? Um, yes, yes and no. In a way, I, I listen to a lot of shows. They're so different from our show that I rarely take things from them. Um, one though that I that I am going to do this season that we are going to do this season it's more of a and your wife would appreciate this an academic thing is report all of our resources. Um, I, misinformation is something I'm really passionate about, and in season two we did a lot of research, but it was hard to do all of that and you know keep it like 
together in a, in a place that someone can access it. So Science Versus, one fun part at the end of their show, they always report, and this is 120 citations to give you this 20 minutes of things. And so I want to do something similar like that. And so we actually have a, an intern who is putting together that work. So that's what I get from science shows that don't really connect to the culture. Like, okay, we can bring in some of the things that you would do as a researcher into this show, like reporting your references and, and being fun about it to show people the extent of work that we're doing. The other, which is a big part of season two, is really, really amplifying the voice of the local, right? Really hearing the story and connecting to the story because everyone, a lot of people have similar stories. And that I have seen in shows like Floodlines and shows like uh, Natal, where you hear the person's story, but what it's missing, and it's not even their premise, is the scientific explanation as to how that story came about. And that's where we come in as a show and as a, as a group of scientists to bring that to life. But I do really like how this season we're definitely diving into the, the, the human parts of genetics and the humanity of it. And so I really like that. My final question um, is for you, Janina. If you think about comparing where it started and what the world was like when you entered the Spotify competition and thinking about rolling the show forward four, five, six, seven seasons. I mean, what is different for the listeners, for the audience you're trying to serve if the show persists that long? What is different? That's a good question. Um, so one thing that I think will be different is I think that the show and the work that me and others are doing, and especially because COVID-19 has happened, has really pushed science to the forefront. It's really made science something that everyone is interested in and is touched by. We don't have a choice but to be touched by it. And so in, in later seasons, I like to see the interest in the, the topic evolve. Um, we're going deeper but also we're learning more. So one of the things I feared about when making the show is that, okay, if someone asks, can we talk about why black people have certain types of noses? Well, there's not a lot of research on black people. So maybe we won't have anything to talk about. Um, a couple of years from now, and hopefully this, this show and the, th and the works of others and just things that are happening will really promote the trust between the scientific community and the black community in such a way that we begin to build out this research further. And so what I see is that we don't go from having a limited number of topics to discuss, we actually go to an endless amount of topics to discuss. And not only that, the, the audience is equally interested and invested in them because they are becoming scientists as the show grows. Uh, Janina, Sam, some shows send their guests little boxes of swag. Some shows send cards if we're trying to cut down on emissions and trash and also do some good. So we, let's say this is the grateful goodbye. I would love to place a small donation in your names as a way of saying thank you to No Kid Hungry. Um, and also shout out to that organization because they do unbelievable work. They can turn a dollar into 10 healthy meals for children who really need it in this country. And man, do more and more people need it, unfortunately. So I'd love to give a donation as a way of saying thank you to both of you, not only for coming on the show, but for doing such a great and meaningful podcast yourselves. So Janina, Sam, the show is in those genes. Thanks for coming on. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening. Every time you do, you're supporting an independent show built by independent creators. This episode was produced by Andrea Moraskin. Original theme music by Cardboard Rocket Chip, an independent folk band in New York City. 
big thanks to our presenting sponsor, Wistia. You can explore their tools for podcasters and video marketers at wistia.com, or you can watch several of their original series all about building modern, more human-centric brands at wistia.com slash series. Big fan of their series, Brandwagon, their documentary, 110-100, which is about creativity and constraints, and of course, the podcast, Talking Too Loud, hosted by their CEO, Chris Savage. We actually broke down his show last week on Three Clips. Lastly, you can subscribe to my newsletter. It's called Playing Favorites, and I send it every Friday. I send a story or an insight or an idea that I'm working through or found or dug up, something about pushing aside all the noise and BS about our industry to just focus on what we actually want to do as creators, make what matters, make their favorite things. That's every Friday on Playing Favorites. Links to all this stuff are in our show notes. And now, as always, our final segment to send us off. Each episode, we ask our guests for a podcast that they'd recommend that isn't at the top of the charts, a show that they'd like to show some love for themselves because they think you'll love it too. We call this segment Play It Forward. I want to play it forward to a show called Marsha's Plate. Uh, it's a podcast hosted by three Black trans folks. They're hilarious. They cover what's going on in the world from a Black trans lens, which is voices I think that more people need to hear. And the show's principal host, Diamond Styles, is just such an amazing, amazing storyteller. And uh, her most recent episode, her mom unfortunately passed away over the holiday. And she tells a story about her mom for 50 minutes and it's just her solo on the mic. And it is just an incredible memorial to a person who I've never met, but it, it touched my heart in such a deep way. Yes. So uh, the podcast that I want to talk about is also connected. Sam and, and Marsha's Play, they all have a, a little cohort of podcasts. And the podcast I want to talk about is Tea with Queen and Jay. And so I met both Queen and Jay through Sam. And um, I'm really connected to that podcast because it is the first time I've heard a voice that I can connect to, both from a cultural standpoint, both from being a woman, a black woman, and also being a person who is interested in a bunch of different things, but haven't expressed that interest through my own view. So the podcast is two womanist race nerds that talk about politics, pop culture, and liberation. And they really, really try to dismantle, or really they actually do dismantle white supremacy, patriarchy, and capitalism all in every episode. And so what I really like about it is um, the positive things that are reinforced constantly throughout the show. It's in a way, not just a show to talk about the things you like and hear about the things you like from a voice that you can relate to, but it is also a very affirming show. So I find myself really listening to it on days when like I'm having a tough day at work because someone's questioning, you know, who I am and I need to like rebuild my confidence. So in a way, it's a it's a conversational podcast, but in a way, it's also a very therapeutic podcast. Tea with Queen and Jay. All right, that's it for this episode. I'm Jay Akunzo, and I believe this work is not about who arrives. It's about who stays. It's not about the download total. It's about who actually listens to the end and becomes a fan of the show and evangelist for your ideas. It's about who stays. So thanks for staying with me. And I'll talk to you each Monday on a new episode of Three Clips. And of course, every Friday in my newsletter. See ya.